Hey everybody and welcome to another Tord Up interview and you know for me as, a, as an Irish man I'm, I'm really proud uh, and delighted to welcome my guest on to today's interview because along with a, a partner Paul Harrington uh, they, they won the Eurovision representing Ireland and in fact uh, we were in a purple patch then because that was a hat trick that there was three years in succession 92, 93 and 94 and for me I've listened to all the winning songs uh, but you know what uh, the lyrics of rock and roll kids make me cry every time I hear it because it's the story of our lives will you please welcome to the torn up interview um, the one and only Charlie McGettigan. Charlie, you're very welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here, Jerry. You know, and it's great to hear you talking about Eurovision and all that. And we were particularly lucky with the song we got. The song was written by a man called Brendan Graham. You might know Brendan. He also wrote a great song called You Raise Me Up that's been recorded over a thousand times all over the world. And I know I was friendly with Brendan since way back in the 70s and we wrote songs together and we, you know, we met up at different song contests. At that time, there were lots of local song contests all over. You had the Castle Bar song contest and the Cavan song contest and the Dunn Leary song contest. So we were always, in those days, to get your songs heard, these song concerts were great because usually there would be a, a full orchestra or a band, you know, and you got your you got your song arranged and you sang it to an audience maybe of four or five hundred people and at the venue and it went out a lot of the time on television as well. So we were always writing songs and I I first got interested in songwriting way back when 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 they used to be in black and white. I remember people like Kenneth McKellar rep representing Great Britain at the time. And my, the first song I really liked was G Gineola Cinquetti's um, song. I just can't think of the name of it now. But um, it, it was the first one. No Nolita was the name of it. And No Nolita, No Nolita. What a great song. Beautiful. And in those days, as I said, it was in black and white. A much more formal thing back then. You know, Noel Keelhan was always our conductor for Ireland. And... Noel would be introduced and he'd come out in his tuxedo and his bow tie and nearly everybody had to be very formally dressed and stuff like that. And the audience would be almost hand-picked and they'd be all in their best clothes and stuff like that. But it was a really big thing. And then um, I think the first person I remember representing Ireland was um, Butch Moore, I think it was, with Walking the Streets in the Rain. And Butch Moore played with a with a band called the Capital Show Band, and and I lived in Ballyshannon, but I spent a lot of my summers in Bondorn, where in in the Astoria Ballroom in Bondorn, I I've, I've met Butch Moore and got his autograph from my mum. I was only about fifteen or sixteen at the time, and um, that time Jerry in in Bondorn there were there was dancing seven nights a week, wow. and it used it used to be five shillings to get in during the week and seven and six at the weekends which would be, what, 25 cents to get in and 35 cents at the weekend. <laughs> and, you know, I would I would see all the bands that played, all there were 500-odd show bands all working in Ireland at the time, the Miami, the Capital, you know, you name it, the Freshmen, the Green Beats, you know, and I would see all their vans coming up uh, the street as they were heading for the for the um, 
for the Astoria. And I would think, God, it must be great to be in a band like that, you know, to be going touring the world. Mind you, I've met a lot of them, of the bands since that time. I met a fellas that played in the bands. It was a, it was a tough life. Because in those days, there was no such thing as staying in a hotel overnight. You went and you put up your equipment and you did your your your, your dance and then you put it all in your van and drove home. And it could be five or six in the morning you'd get home. And, it, you know, in the summertime, it would be seven nights a week, you know. So it, it was um, it was a tough kind of a job. But I just saw the glamour of it and the fact when you would see Dickie Rock up on the stage there singing his heart out and, Butch, you know, Butch Moore and all these ones. And I got to know a lot of the musicians. A lot of the musicians... I was would stand at the foot of the stage watching the guitar players because I played a little guitar. I bought my first guitar. My, the first guitar was bought for me when I was twelve years of age. And I remember people like Artie McGlynn and Barney Barney Skillen who played with the with the Clipper Carlton's. But Artie McGlynn was my my idol. And little did I know that many years later I would end up working with Artie McGlynn and singing with himself and his wife Nolly Casey, and we played with Maura O'Connell for several years, uh, all touring around the country. But that's that's. Um, that's further on in the story, Jerry. I think you want to talk about earlier days. Yeah, I, I suppose, Charlie, you know, everyone has their own particular story of when they were young by what influenced them musically, what they what they saw, what sparked that flame in their heart that said, I like this. You did touch on it a bit, but I'm sure there was a point in your life where you maybe listened to a particular song or you saw something that started the whole process for you, Charlie? Well, believe it or not, um, I wrote a book. That's a copy of the book there. Forever a Rock and Roll Kid uh, over, the, over, the, um, over the, the lockdown period. And it was a great opportunity for me to go right back, right back to the very beginning. And the very beginning, I was living in, in Dublin with my mom and dad, and we would hear the radio earned signature tune come on o'donnell abu was the name of it and went da 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 show business she would go to when when she grew up growing up in dublin she would go to the gaiety she would go to the olympia she would go to the theater royal which literally held six thousand people imagine a theater in dublin with six thousand seats and every sunday night they had a they had a a, a show where it would open up with with um a film and then there would be tommy dander when his lowry organ would play and then there would be um the guests on the show, everybody from Laurel and Hardy to Bob Hope to Bing Crosby, all played the Theatre Royal. So my mum was obsessed with, with that whole end of things. So when we moved to, to Donegal and back to Ballyshannon, the light programme, the BBC light programme, we could, we were probably unique in Ireland that up in that end of the, of the country, we could hear the BBC light programme. And I was just talking to, 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 to your friend earlier on and we were listening to we, we, we'd be listening to everything from the goons to mrs dale's diary to the, the billy cotton band show and the mike sam singers sing something simple do you remember that used to be on yeah, sunday well, night you see i was like you i lived along the border so i could listen to all the bbc channels as well so we we're kind of lucky both of us that we kind of could dip into that culture yeah
her She got feelings that fly by night And she believes in forgiveness But it's not love if it holds too tight You can fly beside her But you gotta go when your heart says go Let's the bright lights guide her Through the rain and the driving snow Where she comes from, she don't know, no She's a child Of the wild blue yonder And she's running out of here She's a child Of the wild blue yonder Running out of here, taking off Just a little trick she does She makes a dime for the pain that's calling And hits for the clouds like a little dove Oh yeah, she does, she does She can't help her laughing And she can't stop your crying day Sometimes it hurts to be half man To hold on to a love that surely must fly Fly away, yeah, yeah She's a child Of the wild blue yonder And she's running out of here Taking off out of here She's a child Of the wild blue yonder Medicine Spirit Father praised her Through their love she was set free From a baby kicking and screaming To a full-blooded woman dreaming With the power just to be
And, you know, I, I remember being here, and the, the first song I remember then, the first song from the radio, would have been How Much Is That Doggy In The Window? And that was a big hit at the time. And um, I'd be singing all these songs. I, I, I just seemed to have a knack of picking up songs and, and singing them, even at seven or eight years of age. And I remember my, my, my dad was putting up um, a public address system for the, for, the, for the annual horse show in a place called Danby in Ballyshannon. And he was putting up, I didn't know what a, what a public address system was. I didn't, know, didn't even know what a microphone was. There was no television, you know, you would never see it. Yes. But at about, about seven, and he, and he was putting up, and he, and he told me to stand up on this big piece of steel with a ball on the top of it, and I what it was. He says, give us a song, Charlie. And I sang Catch a Falling Star by Perry Como. What? And I heard my voice going right around the, the arena through the tannoy system, you know, and I said, man, I love the sound of that. I want to do this. That was my first uh, sort of hint that I was going to be get involved in the music world, you know. Um, so somebody said I fell in love with the sound of my own voice that night. <laughs> it, you know, is it a lovely thing to be able to recall stuff like that too? Because there's always a certain point in all of our lives where somehow, like for me, I I never was a performer, but I had a massive love affair with music all my life for me the first time it really hit me is when i seen the beatles perform on top of the pops and john lennon sang all you need is love and i said jesus that's just like i did want to be in a band but i grew up on a farm and my father was older than my mother and he said you're not going to do anything like that you'll not be fit to work on the farm and i wanted to join a band but i never got i never got go i wanted to be a drummer i wanted to want to be a drummer like the rhythm but it, it wasn't to be. But once I got bitten by that bug for music, it never left it. I'm just I'm just reading a book about a man called Mal Evans. Mal Evans was the first one of the first Beatles road managers when they were starting off at the very beginning, and it's a it's a fascinating book if you could get a chance to to read it. Yes. It was, yeah. But the Beatles to me, I became obsessed with the Beatles. But before the Beatles came along. We, we we eventually got Radio Luxembourg. Do you remember Radio Luxembourg? Of course Luxembourg? I do. Tony Prince and all that. Yeah. Yes, of course all I do. All those. And we, we'd hear songs by people like the Everly Brothers, uh, Buddy Holly, you know, um, Elvis, of course. And then, of course, the, the British ones, Cliff Richard and the Shadows, Adam Faith, all those ones. And in those days, you modeled your hairstyle on the stars. So if somebody said that at those days, you didn't go to the barber for a haircut, you went for an oil shave. Uh, <laughs> like Brill Cream was the, was, the, was the big product at the time. And you always carried a comb in your back pocket so that you could, you could whip it back every now and then if it, if, it began, if it became kind of unruly on you. But there had to be a little curl hanging down at the front. It was a kind of a contradiction. You combed it back, but you wanted it to kind of fall down over your, over your forehead and stuff. <laughs> But you know, so that was great. We were we were all quite happy with our with our coiffs and our bill creamed hair. And then suddenly, the Beatles came on the scene, and we saw these four mop tops who combed their hair the other way, who combed it down over their forehead. And we all suddenly, I I mean, when I saw them first, I was just absolutely fascinated. You know, with this the fact you know that these great songs, "Love Me Do," I remember when I was twelve when "Love Me Do" came out. And and then the plethora of things afterwards, you know, um, 
you know, right through. I followed them right through to the present day. I'm still a. I, I said to somebody the other day that I don't think that there's a day goes by that I don't. I, I listened to the album with the Beatles today when I was out walking. I have a, these earpods and I can listen to all this stuff on Spotify, which has been a great. But the Beatles then, I, I, I persuaded my dad to buy me a guitar, a dreadful uh, Eggman guitar, it, you know. Uh, it, it, somebody said the action was so high on it you could shoot arrows off it like a bow. But anyway, but, uh, <laughs> but I didn't even realize that you had to have an amplifier. I thought you just plugged it into the wall. I was, and that was on Christmas morning. There wasn't much point looking for an amplifier. So I, I struck on this on this method. I, I slept on a on a in a. The, in those days, there were no uh, carpets on the floors. There was a wooden floor, and the bed was a wooden bed. And I, I figured if I stuck the guitar up against the the bed, it would reverberate right through the room. And that was my amplifier. And uh, it, it increased the volume because it just was just a solid piece of wood, you know. It wasn't like a, an acoustic guitar. But so then I met a, f- a friend of mine called John Hannigan. I met him coming home from school one day. And we got to chatting. And I'd known John, you know, as a football and playing football with him and as a playing with him as a child. But he says to me, I have a guitar. And I said, you have? And I said, I have one too. And, said, and so we used to meet uh, in, in John Hannigan's house and we'd, we'd, get, we'd go into what was known as the front room. You remember the front room? I do, of course. I do, the good room. Yeah. <laughs> every, every house had a good room, but we used to go in there and sing our hearts out. And we formed a little band eventually with a drummer and a, and a keyboard or a piano player and eventually a bass player. And all through my teens, you know, from about 13 till 15 years of age, we were like, you know, we'd nearly pay to get in and play, you know, that kind of way. We, you know, I remember doing support in, at, at the, in the Astoria and in the Abbey Ballroom in Ballyshannon. And, and, uh, um, but eventually we, we got this, uh, a booking. And I was, I was just 16. We got this booking to play in Bundorn seven nights a week in a pub, three of us. And we, I learned more that summer because in those days, people had what was called the noble call. If you were, uh, you'd start off the night with a few songs and then you'd get a piece of paper where you asked Johnny Smith to come up and sing a song. And Johnny would get up and he could sing anything from the Clancy Brothers to Frank Sinatra or Tony Bennett or Elvis or anything. So you had to, you had to learn all the chords, you know, as you, as you went along. You were in at the deep end and he would decide to sing Jailhouse Rock or something and you'd have to join in and play. And so I learned so much. I did that for, for three seasons in Bundorn. Uh, we played seven nights a week, up to four hours a night sometimes. And so you can imagine how much I learned in that period. As a kid we could wander away And never be seen for the rest of the day Swam in the river, played on the road Brushes and brooms were the horses we rode So many wondrous things we did When I was a kid When I was a kid we had so much more We ran in and out of everyone's door Rode on our boxcars, climbed in the trees Ran to our mothers when we grazed our knees All those wondrous things we did When I was a kid 
These days our kids have no freedom It's all been taken away Maybe I'm wrong but where's the wisdom When little children can't play When I was a kid the world was a place We seemed to live in sanctified grace Church on a Sunday, that was the rule But we didn't know we were all being fooled The innocence of things we did When I was a kid have no freedom It's all been taken away Maybe I'm wrong but where's the wisdom When little children can't play When I was a kid there were no pedophiles We just believed in everyone's smiles Trusted our neighbors Trusted our friends, it's such a shame it all had to end. We never lifted the lid when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I know a cliche. Don't think we'll ever go back to those days. We lock up our children, lock up our doors. They can't just wander away anymore. Not like all the times we did when I was a kid and I was a kid and at the same time I don't know whether you'd be aware of a man called Paul Brady Paul Brady uh, the, the, the well-known singer-songwriter now yes Paul Brady used to play in a place called the Hollywood Hotel uh, uh, he in the same format he would be he played the guitar and sang and played a bit of piano and Brian McNiff, the, who was who was to become the Donegal football manager when they won the All Ireland, he was there, and we'd all ch- swap around. Paul had come up to where we were playing. We were playing at a place called Cavan House, and he'd come up at night. I remember one particular fortnight where um, um, uh, one of the Clipper Cartons, um, Hugo Quinn, who was a trumpet player with the with the Clipper Carton show, and he was on his holidays, and he stayed there, and every night. He'd come down and play, and Paul had come up. They were both from Straban, and Paul had come up, and we'd have a session. It went on till four and five in the morning. You know, it was bonkers. You know, but but uh, we were young, and it didn't it didn't phase us one bit. You know, so then you know finished that in nineteen sixty eight that season, and I got a job in, in in Dublin, a permanent job, and I didn't play again for about six or seven years. But I went along. To, to watch other people playing, and I went. To, it was a great. It was the time of the big folk boom in du- in in uh, Dublin at the time. You had you had P- Paul Brady himself would have been playing there at the time. You had uh, Al O'Donnell. You had all these different folk singers and folk pl- uh, players. The Wolf Tones would play on a Friday night at Liberty Hall. You know the Dubliners would arrive in to play. Luke Kelly was a regular. Funny enough, when Luke Kelly, Luke Kelly, I saw Luke Kelly in Bundoran for the first time, and he just arrived up to meet Hugo Quinn on one of those infamous nights. But um, 
the, the first night I went there, I went to a place called Slattery's of Capel Street, and, and Lee Moog Flynn was there, one of the finest pipers in the world, and I'd never heard alien pipes properly played before. When I heard this, I said, wow, this, this instrument is like a piano, because it had you know, regulators and the chanter and, you know, all kinds of parts of the instrument that turned it into a, you know, a, a complete instrument. You you had the melody playing on the chanter, you had the, the regulators then to, to have little chords or backgrounds and stuff. And I never heard this before, even though I, I, I just thought uh, alien pipes were diddly eye, if you, if you know what yeah. I mean. But, so I rang my dad the next day and I said, send me on some money. I want to buy an acoustic guitar. So I practiced and practiced for six years um, and when I used to go along and watch what other people were doing and how they were playing. And after that, then I moved down here to Leitrim, where I've been ever since. I'm nearly 51 years in, in Drumshambo now. And the first night I was, I was here, I was asked across the road, the neighbours, uh, come, come over and have a cup of tea. And there were, the house was full of musicians, you know, all, traditional musicians. Packy Dagnan, the great concert flute player, was there. Paddy Smullen himself, who, 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 the owner of the house, and his, his wife played the accordion. Down the road, a banjo player. So I said, I've arrived in heaven uh, because, the, you know, here was, I was big into folk and traditional music at that time. So almost immediately, I started playing with other people, you know, down in, the, down in the pubs and around the place. We formed a little band. Um, myself and, and, and a fellow called Eamon Daly, we formed a little band called Jargon. And uh, we used to play in the pubs. You know, in those days, when I think of it, I played an awful lot more then than I play now because um, every pub nearly had music. You know, every pub had a, had somebody playing music. And we went along and we played on, on the circuit. We weren't exactly what they wanted, but we played there anyway. You know, we, we, we were kind of into... Um, Simon and Garfunkel and James Taylor and you know Leonard Cohen those kind of songs and they weren't exactly what Leitrim people wanted but they they put up with us and um, eventually that band um, came came became quite famous when we, there were several different changes in personnel but we had a, the band jargon the name remained the same and we won the Letterkenny Folk Festival I remember it well um, we got our first record contract with Polygram Records and uh, they released our first single, which is a song called Bailey Burra and Me. And believe it or not, that band went on for a number of years, but it was it's 40 years ago now. But when I was launching this book, Forever a Rock and Roll Kid, I uh, we had a launch and I said, why don't we get the, the Jargon Boys together again? And we all got together and, and uh, sang at the, at the launch. And we the, the crowd just loved it. So we're back together playing now again. We're all, like four old books, you know, <laughs> playing all those old songs. But we're, uh, we're having great fun with it. You know, we're doing concerts and stuff all over the place. So a lot of stuff happened in between all that. Uh, we had a slight diversion uh, where um, Brendan Graham had written this great song, Rock and Roll Kids. And believe it or not, uh, Jerry, he he put that song into the Eurovision Song Contest three times, and the first two times it was rejected, and the last time it qualified, and he had Paul Harrington singing it, and he said, you know, I think it needs something else. It just, just needs one other element, and I said, what's that? I said, you should really keep it because I had heard Paul playing it on just a piano and, and, and vocal. I thought, geez, that is really really good. No, he said, it needs there's something else it, it needs, and I, I said, what? What do you think it needs? Needs you, he said, and I said, "Oh my God!" You know, um, he had qualified for for the national song contest at that stage. What they used to have the national song contest, and then the the winner, the, the song that would represent Ireland, was picked 
from eight songs, and um, and we 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 won it. We won the national song. Here we were, out of the blue, representing Ireland at the Eurovision. So that changed life quite a bit, as you can imagine. Yeah. 